Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Personalized. As always, I'm your host, Vincent King. Um, before we begin, I just want to give an announcement and a shout out to anyone that's been listening or subscribed to uh, Personalized and listened to the episode with me and Jamie. It means a lot to him and I both, and um, it's it's an, it's an honor to be able to do this and uh, actually have people out there listen to, to what what comes out of these conversations that I have with these amazing people. So with that being said, uh, this week's episode is with Kurt Peterson. For those of you that are unaware of Kurt Peterson, he is the, I would say, let's go with the mastermind, the the man behind uh, Rubbish Log. And Rubbish Log outputs this amazing audio drama um, that I've been a fan of since since the very beginning uh, called The Call of the Flame. And if you are not familiar with The Call of the Flame, I really suggest and demand that you put this on pause Go in your feed and please look up The Call of the Flame. Listen to the first few episodes, or if you can, binge listen to it all the way, and then come back and then listen to this amazing conversation between me and Kurt. So, uh, yeah, let's get on with the episode. I don't know. It doesn't sound that loud. I think we're, I mean, are we good? Are we, are we recording? Should we get in sync? Yeah, yeah, we're recording. I'll, I'll cut until we actually feel like we're in the uh, natural conversation. All um, right, let's go. Let's, let's try to like counting to three and seeing how in sync we are. One. Okay. One oh shit. One. One, two, one, two, three. Two, three. Wait, two, two, were three. we supposed to be counting at the same Fuck. time? <laughs> I don't know. Um <laughs> Okay, let's do Okay, fo- follow me then. One, okay. two, one, three, two, three. One, two, three. I don't know. I think we're I think we're we'll be fine. We'll figure it out. <laughs> That's right. And so, likely uh, every Hollywood executive. So you're on mountain time. So in um, w- around what area would that be for you? Uh, metro, straight up. Uh, yeah, straight up uh, Denver metro area. That's uh, where I've been living for the past um, five months. Um, and before that, a little bit just around the border of the metro area, like uh, Centennial, all that stuff. Just like a kind of. Um, well, basically, I'm right. I'm right in the middle of where all the action is for uh, the state of Colorado. That's where I am. <laughs> what what brought you there you know like we're like you know because i know it was just it was just recently i know you i saw where you announced um that you were moving and it was kind of like putting um you know putting the show on delay a little bit but uh why the sudden move um i just need a change in my life uh i wanted to move closer to my the film school which um is actually up, up the street from me right now and um as well i just needed the change because i was listening, living in a crowded home for a little bit and um i finally got a stable kind of uh stable income enough to where i can get a good apartment and where i can get that solitude because i've never never lived alone before so that's um it was a nice thing to get for myself even if it's just for a little bit i mean i thought i'd hate it at first like i go crazy from the silence or the uh or the loneliness but it's actually mm-hmm. great like nothing bothers me. The things that used to bother me don't bother me. Just when you when I'm by myself for a little bit. I mean, it's bother, it bothers me again now. The kids upstairs and kind of thing. That now it gets on my nerves. But for a longest time, <laughs> I was just like, I don't even care. I'm I'm everything else is quiet. This is actually pretty okay. Like so. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That that's that that was that was all I was gonna say. Like uh, uh, just um li- living quietly, living by myself. It's pretty chill. It's um. It's pretty, it's pretty chill, kind of empty in here. Um, did not plan ahead, did not get a couch, so I just got a mattress in my living room and my desk set up in the living room. Um, just because that's where all the, that's where everything I do is. So I didn't really need a, a one bedroom even. I could have had a studio, or uh, <laughs> or a closet. Like I don't know, yes, any of that. Studios are actually nice looking. From I mean, we looked at getting one a while back before we, you know, before we got what we got now, and like, um, 
I don't know. Like, I like the, I don't, I just, you know, I like the idea of it. You know, it's like, <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous as it sounds, but, um, you know, walls, you know, not really being needed in certain rooms, you know, it's like, well, I don't, one less doorway to walk through <laughs> to get to there. But, but, you know, it, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I the idea appeals to me either way, you know, um, you know, <laughs> this, this, like this might be a, this might be a little bit of a not safe for work kind of kind of joke here, but like you can cut it out in post or something. But one of the one of the people I was seeing, like when when I first moved in, she's like, you know, how I have to celebrate. I'm like, what? She's like, banging every room. I'm like, okay, so twice. <laughs> <laughs> so twice? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> twice. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's 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 hilarious. <laughs> we uh. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a living room and a living room and another room. That's basically it. I can even hey, I can probably get, find a roommate if I needed. You know, hey, all you need, man, all you need. Yeah, it'll uh, be really uh, it'll be really convenient when us when school comes back around. I could just get a rather than getting a getting one of those little crammed up dorms. I could just get somebody for the other room and not mind that there's one bathroom and one fridge. Yeah, hey, hey, that's how you do it. You know, we when we live with our uh, with our roommates for, a while, I you know we you know we had our own room and then one of them had his room and the other one had his room. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a nice, you know, three bedroom house in a subdivision. It was, I, I honestly really enjoyed it. But the one thing that we always like came, 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 I guess I wouldn't say disagreements, but, uh, beside the fridge, there was a pantry, right? And we had each had a shelf. So her and I shared a shelf. Well, one that's not a sitcom, a sitcom setup at all. <laughs> yeah. One guy shared a shelf. The other guy shared a shelf. And it, we never had at one point had both, had all shelves filled up at the same time. One of us would always have to go out to go grocery shopping at, at when the others didn't. I mean, it was always one of us and our roommates, you know, one of the roommates, uh, <laughs> love him to death, but he, he would always like his biggest thing is like, okay, all I need is cinnamon toast crunch, uh, Campbell soup. And, uh, fuck, what is it? I don't remember, but it was always like, it was always the, the same things over and over. He's like, this is all I need to live my life off of. Tortillas. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And we would, you know, we were, you know, we, we, we had our stuff scattered as far as, you know, what we needed and what we wanted, all sorts of things. And, you know, and I'm a picky eater and she can be, or usually isn't as bad as me. And the other guys, you know, they just like, we can live off of pizza for the rest of our lives. And I'm like, I wish I could do that. <laughs> If it were my sister's shelf, shelf, it'd be. If it were my sister's shelf, it'd be nothing but teas, like mm -hmm. nothing but teas, like a top, top to bottom, like all these different teas and types. Yeah, all that or gourmet do coffee. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you drink coffee at all? Like, how often do you do you, do you drink tea and coffee? Uh, at least uh, three times a day and counting. Um, yeah, I've got I've got, I got a Keurig now for this place, and that's been spoiling me. Like uh, now, I don't know how to make coffee. Like I'm like I look at a coffee maker now at work, and I'm like, uh, what do I do? This thing has beans. Uh, like do I just <laughs> do I mash them with my like? Is there a mashy thing? Does anyone have a mashy thing? Like I don't know. It's so I just I just put a little cup in there, and it makes my coffee, and that's um that's nice for me because I just like to do that. Um, yeah, and and I've been, I've been trying to cut down a little bit because. Well, I just I need more sleep, and mm -hmm. I also need to have a better regimen. I feel like that's going to mess up my kidneys in a couple of years, and uh, I want to be around for a couple of years more. So that's part of um, the problem with that. My issue is that I generally enjoy uh, the taste of coffee. So usually, it it it's once it's usually once, if not every day, then once every other day in summer. But winter, it's like coffee at least two or three times, maybe more a day. Um, 
and it's bad like 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 today for instance you know it was a saturday so i got to sit back and i got to take a nap and like my first thing when i was laying in bed you know getting the pillow fluffed out i'm like damn you know what's gonna be good about this nap first thing i get to have when i wake up is a cup of coffee <laughs> so it's like you know we bought a little off-brand keurig because I'm, I'm too cheap sometimes and it's been it's been working out for us and so we uh you know and i that's my go-to but i'm telling you wintertime and it's about to come i'm like i wear that damn thing out with the cups of coffee i have to drink oh yeah mine's falling apart it's it's like just spilling water all over the place it's like every, t- every time i close <laughs> every time i close it it shits itself like there's like the little little black powder that's flowing with it too so it does look like so kind of like like water and like for some kind of medieval army like it's all it's all infected and it's it's from it's from this nasty like a uh, reservoir or something like that it just spills out onto the floor yeah i have stuff it with napkins <laughs> so yeah i don't know like like Coffee's fun. Yeah, that's a, it's a good thing for me to have, and it keeps me keeps me uh, fluid for my writing. Um, and that's it's what's my routine. So I have a big I have a big cup of coffee, and I just sit in front of a script or with my uh, or with my editing uh, software all all propped up, and just get into some uh, work. That's been it's been the case for the past like it's been the case for the past year now. And yeah, it's nice to get back in the swing of things. Call of the Flame is um, the project that I've, I've been working on for the past uh, year and some change now. Yeah, I just like to keep up that routine. I never want to break it again. Yeah, it's it, and trust me, we're gonna get back to that subject. But it's like when I, I'm I'm so like everywhere here and there. You know, dancing is probably the one big project I have been coming back for to for almost going on since the beginning of the year since we finished wrapping writing on Unlucky Charm, which we're still in post production of it. But you know, it's just like uh. It sometimes suck. I'll, I'll leave dancing, writing, or dan- or working on dancing to go do other things. But I enjoy these other things, so it's not an issue to me. But then I have to turn around and be like, okay, all right, let me get my rhythm of dancing. Let me. But I'm also um, I'm a music writer, so not like writing music per se. I I enjoy listening to music too, right? So it's good that I have like a long list, and dancing is like the longest playlist I have on my Spotify now, where like I just continually add songs. And when I get in the rhythm, listen to a few songs, I'll get in the mindset and I'll get in the set, and I'm like, okay, here we go. So you're that kind of so you're that kind of writer. Like, um, I am I'm a little bit as well. Um, I tend to my my playlist for Call of Flame is actually mostly film scores, mostly like soundtracks mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. games and movies and stuff. And it's a, it's funny because it's separate from my writing because I write to you know just to silence, just just myself. But when I'm thinking about ideas, I am like listening to all these all these different scores by all these different artists and whatnot and thinking of scenes and thinking of moments trying to come up with those. I feel like, I feel like, you know, being able to write while listening to music is tough. Cause I have to play catch up to the, each moment. I feel like I have to match every beat uh, to what there is. Yeah. Like, you know, it, and, and um, mine's a bit of mix, especially depending on what I'm writing. Like the current one I'm writing right now, I'm more on electronic, more on um, bands like a uh, uh, star set and a few other like, um, really odd ones but really great um so like i said yeah, I, I make a playlist for each project i'm working on or each project that i'm writing and um it, the genre really depends on the uh the the project itself but I, I can't really write in silence i i've tried i could do it maybe a little bit like if if i'm at my day job and i find time to write i can write in silence there only if the uh, only if i've been listening through my headphones for a little while and the ideas kind of like came to me like that but uh, for the most part, I, I I tend to have to have music, or I'll just like, flow. yeah, I'll just get distracted, or I'll uh, say motivation for it. 
um i don't know it's just it's it's odd but it's one of the things where like i have to like must have and i've been paying for spotify for like a year's years for years for various reasons and mostly writing so i i have to have music if not i wouldn't be able to do what i'm doing yeah if there's anything i've learned about writing it's that i think one of the first um well, the first things that you do learn is that you never learn how to write an. Well, just as an example, you never learn how to write a novel. You learn how to write your novel. So, like, everyone will right. have a different process, and that's one of the things that I, I think everybody probably stresses over in the beginning. Like, am I doing this right? Like, am I am I getting my foothold started? Am I doing this properly? Like, is mm-hmm. there a way to do this? Is there a perfect regiment? And the answer is no. There's there's none. You can listen to music. You can do it in silence. You can do it in a creaky attic, or you can do it on a. Um, you can do it on a journal, an empty journal. You can do it on a really, really old, uh, old uh, DOS computer, like um, some people. Um, yeah, that's just a, there. There is no one way to do it. For, for everybody, it's different. Some people can um, do it almost anywhere. Some people have to be in their 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 zone, their their space. Yeah, and it, exactly. And it's just like it's it's unique. Like um, I was just having a conversation with my good friend Persephone, her and I were discussing. Um, it was very odd conversation to start with the, uh, well, I wouldn't say odd, but it was more like we were talking about how we write scripts differently. And, you know, when I came into script writing, I came off of writing novels from my earlier writing stages, um, which I've learned a lot. It's weird. I've learned a lot from script writing on how to do my novels better, but I came in fresh. I didn't, I never written a script before. Never knew. And Eli, Eli came in, you know, when we did Unlucky Charm, which is the first script project I've been a part of. He taught me how to do scripts his way. And it was like, it's the most simplest and easiest way I've ever seen anybody write a story. And from then on, like, I don't need, I prefer doing that over my novels, but I'll do my novels. But like, I see people writing scripts differently compared to like, everyone writes scripts a different way. It's, me and Eli are the only ones I think we somewhat and and Persephone she does it similar to us, but everyone either whether it's their SFX or writing their dialogue, I've seen people lately who've been like formatting it on like a uh, word or formatting on document programs versus script programs, and I'm like, how do you do that? I'm too lazy to do that. <laughs> Like that's that's kind of how I had to do it for a little while too. When I was writing prose, I had to like I had to get into that script mind space. Um, I've broken I've broken that mold uh, very uh, you know over the past couple of years. Um, but there's actually a, a major reason for that. Re- major reason why screenplays are often the basis for or or the precursor to people learning how to write like novels and stuff is because there's a lot more writing on a screenplay than there is writing on a book a lot of the time because they have. Um, but a book, that's your budget right there. Your book, it's 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 words. It's a whole pages. That's 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 the that's the that's the uh, the crew, the cast, the effects, everything, uh, the locations, all that. Um, and, and a script, there are they, the formulas are stronger and stronger and stronger because there's a lot more writing on them. So like there's way more structure. There's way more formula. Um, I think this. I mean, I think like. Well, you can even look back at like William Shakespeare's plays when he when he found the formula of comedy, he did it over and over and over again, like because he found that he found the thing that worked. And that's how screenplays. Uh, that's why there's more structural rules and and materials and and books and how to books for screenplays than there are novels. The ones for novels are a lot more about like uh, themes and or, themes and structure and characterization over like three acts, how to compose a scene. And how to format and that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and you know exactly. And it's just you know, and it was one of the things like and this is going back to the publishing company that I'm working with with my next novel. You know, we sit at our meetings every month, and uh, um, you know, like they're like, all right, does anyone have anything they're ready to share? And I'm like, 
I just released an audio drama episode. Does anybody want to hear that? Or I wrote a script. Would you read it? <laughs> you know, it's just it's such an odd place, but it's 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 I really I really enjoy it. I've really found I I like being able to write scripts. And I guess the biggest thing is like I'm sure with Call of the Flame, this is something that that probably really echoed you too, is when when you're writing that character's lines or writing that character's actions and then you hear that character for the first time like just even hear the voice or or whatever it's 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 like a whole nother like feeling man it's like it, i wouldn't say power but it, it's it's definitely makes you feel great oh it is it's so surreal like um when you when you write a character and then you hear you hear someone um doing the voice for it like I've, i talked to a, vo- a voice actor recently uh for a new for a part in uh in an audio pro- audio production i'm doing um mm-hmm. and I just i just asked her because like just kind of a checkup like like hey how you doing by the way like um are you feeling okay like because um, she's doing a lot of takes and is feeling a little bit stressed like she wants to get it right mm-hmm. um and i'm like are you, are you feeling okay is this a good project for you and, the, and this and that she's like are you kidding everybody asked me to everybody asked me to do impressions like like uh do do a kate blanchett kind of voice or something like that and that's I mean, it's uh, and she's like, but I have the freedom here to develop and create a character, and you're giving me that, and that's um, and that's plenty for this character. And I realized, you know what? I do kind of the lines I give them, the character, the notes, all that. It's a it's a low softball, like uh, that. I could I throw them and they knock it out of the park because they they fill in the rest. They come up with their characters and give them more personality than than what I just put on the page. Yeah, exactly, and like. That's similar to how um, I've been running things with Dance for the Most Part. Like when, when I first brought in all the actors and actresses together, I said, look, these characters that you, that you are the voice of this character. This character is you. You know, yes, I could recast if, if, if had to, but I chose you for this role. This is not just my character. This is your character. If for some reason yes. you have you have an idea, you have something you're, you want to change, if you have anything come to me about it we'll talk about it most likely i'll be i'll be down to hear you know like i said so you know like you are sarah or you are uh adam you know so if you know you you do this character this character is nothing without you this character is is you you know so i want you to feel like or or connect to this character in a way where even i couldn't to the point you know if 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 something if I don't think of something or if, if you want to do dialogue somewhat different, then let's just do it. You know, let's, like I said, you are this character. Yeah. yeah like um, I always stress cause like some, sometimes people are too, are a little bit too nervous and try to try to stick exactly verbatim to what I put in the script. I'm like, if something else sounds more natural, then, you know, say it that way. Like say, say what comes actually to you. I was, I worked under an acting teacher or rather I studied under with this acting teacher from our film school, Galena. Um, her she wrote a whole a whole book about like how to get into the get into the mind of a character and the words that are in the script believe believe that they are your own be, be, go through the motions the thought process necessary to come up with this thought and how it became a word or how it became a, a line something you've spoken and that's just been my mentality for a lot of it is don't tell people what to don't tell uh, people what how to act how to emote tell them how to think how to think before to get into a certain character so oh. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you could tell somebody be angry, and they can just do. They can do. They're doing an impression of an angry person. Mm-hmm. But you tell. But if you tell them, you're um, this person. You, you tell them the thought. You tell them what led them to this emotion. What is going on in their head right now? Like you are. You are breaking, and now you're attacking. Um, 
or you are your, your heart is breaking. You've got nothing to lose. You have an abandon. That's telling them how to think, and that'll inspire something maybe a little bit different than what you intended. And that's always a good thing, I find. Like you know, su- surprise yourself, surprise the audience, um, and and it's not an imitation. It, that's at that point, it's it's real acting. I feel like that's how a lot of actors uh, go about their work, and I try to. I try to facilitate that, that. Like, man, I facilitate that sounds like such a. I just try to encourage that out of them. That I'm trying to be casual about the whole thing. Like, try, like I don't try to have any pretensions about what I do. I, I just write the words, and they, I want them to come up with uh, something good for, um, for that. So to, so to touch back on that, um, have you? I don't know if you have. I'm pretty sure you may have, but um, <clears throat> I've ran into a few voice actors, actresses, um, that. Uh, they're really, really fucking good at doing um different voices, different like even if they're no matter how odd or how strange they are, they have been they've been knocking these voices out of the park, and uh, I've enjoyed working with these these people so much that I was like, hey, look, I got this other role, but I don't need you to do a special voice, just do your own voice. And I cannot tell you how many people are like, I've never whether they say I've never had that asked or um. I've never really done that. I'm so used to doing everyone else's voice. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But this role, I'm in, I'm not in, I'm not seeing this as a special voice. I'm seeing things as your voice, as you, as who you are as a person. So you come in, you don't have to change your voice. I just want you to act. And it's been amazing to see the, the, uh, the output from that. Um, and the, and you know, like, um, <clears throat> like the grandmother role in dance in Charlotte, who's been unpersonalized, you know, her role when we first casted her i had attended we grandmother we casted her grandmother doing like a slightly different voice and then when we realized that for season two her story is going to change a bit more to where that voice just would not click with what the uh the story is going to be like and so her and i come together and i said look we need to figure a grandmother out you know i grandmother's going to bring some and this is somewhat spoilers but grandma's going to shed some tears in season two this voice is not going to shed tears when we're creating. She's like, that's fine. I want to do something different anyways. And so we went with, you know, her regular voice and it sounds like amazing. You know, it's just, and they're happy with it. You know, they're like, you know, it's, it's getting to do me, getting to do natural me compared to being, you know, being, uh, I wouldn't say forced, but being, being chosen to do a different voice and what is me. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta think about the long term with those kinds of roles. Like, um, you have to think about the dimensions of, of that as i mean dimension it's a it's a a term leaves a lot to just like demean a lot of roles like it's one dimensional or it's two dimensional or whatnot but like you do have to think about like can can i hear this kind of performance coming out of this voice this Mm -hmm. um like is it uh is it is it too strained or can it can it be can you reach those high notes or yell or actually or actually have those really tense moments something i think about with almost every role i do like i've had to let a lot of um a lot of actors go before in the past because they couldn't reach a certain kind of note of, of authenticity or well, like, like, and the, especially the audition process for call of flame particularly had a lot mm-hmm. of those. Yeah. Like people where I'm like, I, your accent's spot on or like, but I don't, I, but I'm trying to get a range out of you, but you're, it's almost as if you're focusing too much in your accent. And if we should, we can probably try losing that a little bit and see where you're at. And, and it, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And, that t- tends to be how that goes. Or somebody has the perfect voice for a role. Like, I've done auditions for Call of the Flame and for Theta in the past. And Theta in particular was, was one where a voice could be sound perfect. But um, I've just, like, tried this line. And then I realized, oh, oh, no, they're not comfortable with yelling. Oh, boy. Um, that's not going to reach the same uh, tone or um, 
the tone of the rest of the characters. You have one character screaming their head off, and another character is like, ah. So <laughs> just want to make sure everyone's kind of, everyone's in the same show. Everyone's in the same series, like, tonally and um, all that. Yeah, I'm not sure what the point I was getting to with that. <laughs> so earlier you had mentioned that you had moved to be closer to a film school. Hmm. Uh, are you, are you like, are you doing something with it? I mean, what, how, what, why the film school? Um, it's just where, it's where a lot of things have started for me. Like I've, I was in film school so in 2015, 2016. I've had to take a long personal break due to like, um, fam- family matters. Like, um, so this, the, the economics of my family was kind of falling apart. Had to, had to lend a helping hand. I've been so distant from it since then. I needed something to tether me back. And that, I guess, driving, but next to it every day is, um, it's a big, uh, it's a big uh, a way way to kind of lure me back into it and start looking into uh, starting starting some film projects again and getting into that whole world. Um, with Call of Flame uh, book one ending ending in about a, a month or two, uh, with uh, chapters uh, not, chapters ten and eleven just being written, I'll have more time to explore that. I have more time to look into some old scripts I've written for like uh, shorts and uh, live action and home my craft again. Um, something I hope I can do. Uh, the very the very near future as far as what my relationship with is with it now i've just got friends that that are in the film school that i help with productions and at some point i do need to go back it's it's uh, it's calling it's a calling to me and film is a calling to me but and in no way in no way is call of flame or anything i'm doing here a compromise like um i'm doing i'm doing a, a creative storytelling but without the visuals no i've i wanted to do call of flame i feel like since 2013 um, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't the Call of Flame back then. It wasn't anything back then. It was just. Uh, and uh, it was an. It was, wasn't even an idea. It was just an appetite for it. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to. Uh, uh, I just was. I was creating uh, an environment where it made sense to me. If that makes sense, like, uh, like I just. Um, I had just uh, graduated high school in 2013, and I was. I decided I was going to consume as much media as I could, and. One thing I did was I was working a really t- terrible retail job, and what they did they did not care about anything I did. So they they when I was listening to my headphones all day, they they let me do that. I I listened to all the well this this should probably stir up an image in you, like for like mm-hmm. or this will make sense in a moment why I'm bringing this up. But the things I was listening to all day were there were four particular things. My little crappy iPod Nano where the screen broken and everything. Um, I was listening to the uh, Song of Ice and Fire books. Uh, I was listening to the Hobbit soundtrack, and yes. I was listening to uh, yeah, I know, right? That was one of the best. And and I was listening to a series of lectures about the Anglo-Saxon world, huh. and yeah, this, uh, those those and oh, and uh, the Star Wars radio play that was a big one for me. Um, just but all those things you created kind of an appetite for something like Call of the Flame. I was. Because because it was around that time where I was consuming these things so fast, I was running out of them. Like I need to get mm-hmm. the next, uh, need to get the next uh, Thrones book. I need to get the need to get to get the next, uh, well, the next piece of music that I want to listen to, some score. And it made me start thinking about what I would like to listen to. And like it was, it was ne- never manifested at the time, but Call of Flame was there. It was the answer. It was the, it was the kind of thing that was a little bit of everything that was in my brain at that time period. Can we appreciate? Can we just take a moment to appreciate how amazing the the last Hobbit movie they done with the uh, promotion on the videos for the song? Uh, I don't remember uh, the title song and the shout out, but the way they had done that, I'm telling you, that was amazing. I'm I'm I'm, know, I'm a sucker oh, for P- good Pippin's, promotion. Uh, 
a Pippin song, like the. I think that was the that was in the trailer for the Hobbit, right? Uh, maybe I like, haven't I haven't messed with it in so long, but I remember there, I remember there being like a few trailers that like just really like from the Hobbit that really like, um, just I mean they there it's it I wouldn't say it's emotional, but it's so like inspiring. The way yeah, if they, only that the way they've done that. Yeah, if only that movie was as good as its promotional material. Like, honest, I was <laughs> I was not a huge. I was not a huge fan of the Hobbit trilogy, but I do owe a lot to it for mm-hmm. inspiring some small ideas in Call of the Flame. I owe a lot to... I think I owe more to the things I don't like than the things I do like for Call of the Flame. Like, for example, like one of my biggest inspirations recently was the last season of uh, Game of Thrones, for obvious reasons. Like, I just feel like just the sheer the sheer amount of me going, man, I wish they had done this, or I wish they had done this. That's, the, that's great material. For like, well, 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 what do you like? So how how do you incorporate that in your own work? Um, it's same with uh, the Hobbit movies. I felt they were really lacking, and there were a couple of ideas I had. Like, I would have done this differently. I would have done this, and those are actually parts of the Call of the Flame. Like little little things, little moments that I'm like, this is how I would approach this, or this is how I'd rather this be done. That kind of thing. That's that's awesome. I you know what I'll tell you what I have never thought about that. But next time I listen to you, when the next episode drops, I'll be I'll be thinking about that. That is pretty cool. Um, there's actually the, the biggest one is in book two, but at least it's unrecognizable oh. from like it's unrecognizable from like where it came from in the Hobbit. But it was directly inspired by like uh by the, one of my disappointed one of my crushing disappointments about the third Hobbit movie. There's so many things I could point to um that are like that's that's inspired by that or that's inspired by this moment i feel like so much so many great things like i think i can't remember who said exactly but oscar isaac the actor who plays poe in a star wars last jedi he said um he said like on twitter like in response to all the the hate mail that he was get so that he was getting because you know the fans are ravenous um like all all the things you're saying about the movie why don't you just use that as inspiration use that and write write something in your own like all the things you'd rather see or the things or things that you would do differently do it. Just do do your own version. I and I get what he's I get what he's saying. That's that's exactly what he's talking about. Like like don't just be disappointed in the, in the fandom. You use it to empower your own work. Is it crazy to think about you know when Call of the Flame years from now, um, what it when people say yeah the, you know the Call of the Flame audio play and which trust me they will you know they inspired me to do this book or this audio or or this game or this this whatever you know this medium. Is it not crazy to think that, you know, because of something you have done, you're inspiring people to 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 put forth in the in their medium? That is so far in the future. I can't I cannot. I, I don't know. I'm having difficulty imagining that. Like, 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 actually, one fun thing, like, like I feel like I did. I experienced almost like the equivalent to that, like, except kind of in reverse, because I've been following this, this guy, this podcaster for a long time mm-hmm. who um who hadn't done a. Who just broke into uh, both Hollywood and this the, the novel writing world, and actually got I mean, this is a brief anecdote. Um, and I got to like let's say he started that in about like 2014 to, uh, to range. Like he published his book in 2014. A couple of others since then. Wrote a, wrote two major movies, um, uh, and I got to meet him and I got to tell him because because of one of the podcasts he did, he inspired so much out of me and. He, he he got a little glossy eyed. Like I'm like, oh wait a minute, oh shit, this is one of the one of the first times you're hearing this. I mean, I'm sure he's heard it dozens of times before, at least on Twitter. But in per- but personally, face to face, I was telling him, hey man, you inspired a lot of what I've done, and so, like uh, particularly that one episode, podcast episode where we talked about writing, and and he was like, 
I, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, like he looked a little bit stunned from that. And I was, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I'm because I feel like that because he, he was kind of fresh at the time period. Like, like he was just broke into this whole world. Like, imagine a lot of writers have been writing for a long time before they had got to hear that. Um, so, I, I mean, that that's something I'm not I'm not really thinking about because I'm just thinking about, well, I'm thinking about the near to media future um, when it comes yeah. to writing and that sort of thing. Yeah, I know. Like, I know I can get in line with other people, but the the person for me for that would be Casey. You know, Casey Whalen. So it's just like, oh yeah, you know, And I've told him plenty of times versus whether it's email on Instagram, social media, and you know he, and you know I've even sent him copies of my book. I'm like, look, man, We're Alive changed how I view. I guess I wouldn't say audio, but it brought me into the podcasting world. And then boom, with Faith, you know, it's just like, you know, you two together have showed me that there are there's another medium out there that that attracts me and it it pulled me in like it's i don't know like we're alive touches a special part. i've said this like a thousand mm. times in my life and i'll say it like a thousand times more like it what he done with that story it was it, it's mm. such an incredible to be on a medium like that to have a story of that range it's and 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 on and this is revolutionary my, yeah and my, my brother you know and this is you know this is a bit like I said, this is personalized, but a little bit of my brother, he was, um, he was a Marine. Um, we don't talk too often, but he's my little brother, you know? So like he, he was, he was Marine for a good, good bit. Um, and, uh, I've always, he's always ever been the type to like uh, anything, I guess, nerdy or geeky or anything in, in that realm where I would touch. He's always been the type he's interested in it, but not to the point where like, he's, I wouldn't say openly, but he's just like, he's got a different vibe about him to the point where like Saul literally, I I heard nothing but my brother the whole time. I heard nothing but my brother and I still hear, I won't give spoilers, but for gold rush, you know, hearing Saul for the first time, it since, since I've listened to the series, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, like, you know, and it's just, it's such a personal level for me on, on how he did the character with Saul and, we're alive had a brother. huge impact on like on it, me as well. Yeah, yeah. It it's I I wish one day I can meet Casey. You know, and he, you know, I just I don't. It'll probably be sometime in the near future, I imagine. But you know, he, I was like I said I've I've I you know he knows that everything I do. I literally say, look, Casey's besides Eli being the person to reach out to me. You know, to pull me into this world. To you know, if if I had to give big thanks, it would be to Eli. You know, if it wasn't for Eli contacted me saying hey look i saw you had mentioned on a post you wanted to write i'm bringing you in would you like to write you know uh, it, it's just eli and casey and faith man i wouldn't be where i'm at right now i wouldn't be talking to you yeah i don't think any of us would he he brought he brought audio drama into the fold like uh with the, in the new age of podcasting and the internet and whatnot like and i got to meet him too he's a he's a he's a, char- he's a fun character like uh, he's a cool it was really damn cool. Like, there's a lot of people in the events, and he particularly stood out. Like, with a he brought that energy, and I was like, "Wait a minute, that's Case, Casey Whalen." Oh yes, that's him. Because that's in every episode you hear his name in the credits, and it just sticks with you. And yeah, we got to talk, talk no briefly about shit. Gold Rush and about oh. uh, Flame. He actually listened to the live show for Call of the Flame. That was it was it was an yeah it was it was an it was it was, it was, it was such an honor and, and like a relief to hear him laughing at the at the at some, the fun parts and I was, I was just as soon as like he laughed at like some of the bits in Jenko and Eraclaus's introduction I was just like yes I just fist pumped myself <laughs> like you yes I got him I got his amusement <laughs> like yeah that was that was that was particularly fun I'm referring of course to the uh, um, 
what the Here Now Festival that like uh, it was around May of two thousand uh, of this year. To, what was I saying? Two thousand. Yeah, you know, I was gonna say two thousand seventeen. What the heck? It, it was this year, and um, yeah, we got a uh, call of flame. We came out. I went out there with uh, Stephen Stephen Cumberworth, uh, Vladius, and uh, Bonnie uh, Bree. And yeah, we had a good, good fun in the town, and I got to talk about it was Call of Flame a lot, and uh, show it off, and uh, meet some cool I'm people. I'm glad you brought Steven up because uh, there's a topic I want to talk to you about. This theme is amazing. Steven and Adam, I mean, they deserve mm. I, and I really hope that you know that there's some recognition in the future. I feel like I know I'm not, but I feel like I'm one of the only people on social media be like, "Yo, where's the fucking award for this goddamn theme? This is crazy." Adam is awesome, and Steven is awesome. Like both of them contribute to the music, and um, like all the flute music you hear in the show, um, is all Steven. Like he's, of course, he's the voice of Veladius and various extras and a lot of people. But he mm-hmm. particularly did the uh, the credits, uh, for Call of Flame, the little the flute music there. And sometimes he'll do stuff out of the blue, like he'll like um, post in the channel for our Discord, plugging our Discord casually. Um. Uh, he'll often post like a, a doodle, like a, like he's like he does the flute music for like the uh, the opening theme or the uh, mm-hmm. recently he did the uh, the previously theme uh, on flute and 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 ver- various um like if I ever need like tavern music or like some great uh, some great background, I'm always like go to his like music library because he's got so many like good tracks of just flute music like for like recently the recent the most recent episode Working Gar. Like the tavern there, it's like something that sounds a little bit more primal, and something that sounds a little bit more casual for like the uh, the bar and uh, the bar in uh, Gathland. And the, my favorite one, my favorite personal one that he's done is the theme for Buri, uh, the the uh, Halflin uh, home, homeland, which is uh, he uses ocarina for, which sounds adorable and so fitting for a race of uh, small people. And like it's because it sounds, and also he has even did the vocalization for that uh, that track too. Like his, like like I feel feel I'm so blessed to have two great two great um, music artists for the show because one of my big influences was the Star Wars radio play, and there you have you know the music of John Williams. So that's um and that tells so much of the story itself and its uh in its speed and its orchestra. So to have something to have our distinctive music taste in by ourselves. So it feels so, so like such a relief because I feel like that was the one thing I might be missing. Because uh, I wasn't sure if Adam would say yes because I've worked with him on many other projects, um, and his music is always hard to beat. Like it's he will always blow your mind with his knowledge of uh, with his knowledge and with his uh, his tracks. Like he'll whip up a demo for something, and and he'll have he'll always ask the right questions and and if 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 possible. If you if you have existing if you have existing content like if you have a scene that's already done he'll score to it and that's that's what I try to try to do but sometimes we work on time he'll always like knock the knock it out of the park the first thing I worked on him with was Theta well into its production too um, and with that that's the the Theta theme is still just listening to the Theta theme is still one of the coolest moments ever just listening to to him just go all right I just whipped this together and it's like this western kind of sci-fi kind of orchestral uh piece of music that represents something that i've done and that was just that took me aback it's um yeah the, the the theme that he did for theta was uh splendid and we've brought so much of and he brought that's, that kind of energy good, to call of flame it's always good and to like i couldn't be more happy to, 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 to work, work with, with people them. like <clears throat> i have a certain set of people um from you know from show to show i tend to like i find reasons to like come back to him and be like hey uh so 
um, are you busy? Because uh, if not, I really want to pull you on this other thing. No, 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 no. We're still doing this project. Don't worry. But there's another one that I really want you on. So let's just, um, yeah, just move over here. It's okay. It's okay. Just move over here. We'll come back. We'll come back. Just move over here and do this. Do this for me. Have your name on this. There we go. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, all right good. Now we have two projects. It's, it, it's such... There's a major reason why in Hollywood so many people work together all the time, or why why Steven Spielberg always works with John Williams, like because people find the people that know their language that can that can that can talk their language and could work with them, and they just stick with them, like like with Danny Elfman with like Sam Raimi or like Tim Burton or you know they 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 find the rhythm with these with these music composers with these actors and and with these all these different crew and they just form a bond like a they form an understanding and carry it over into everything they do. It's part of the the film's flavor from then on, like, like, and I, I think it's so annoying these days. Um, I guess I guess studios would rather not like pay the extra dollar to keep music composers with the with film franchise or whatever series that they're doing, which is so annoying and shameful. Like, because the only memorable, like, for example, just a small example, the only really memorable theme uh, in the Marvel universe right now is the Avengers theme. Because that's the only one they've stuck right, to. Preach. There's like twelve different Iron Man themes because they keep changing composers every movie, and there's and there's and there's like five different Thor themes, and there's like how many Spider Man themes like uh, for each reboot that they've done, and there's no you 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 can't hum it because it always it's always different, it always changes. There's no continuity to the music. Mm -hmm. That's why like Raman Raman Jawadi, the composer for Game of Thrones, has won won the award this year, but won an Emmy for the best music composition because. He stuck with every last theme that 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 he that he did in Game of Thrones, and it all paid off to a great emotional, because a great emotional resolution. They even heck, Marvel started started with that guy. The first Iron Man movie was scored by Raman Jawadi. They could have they could have had he could have been been winning an Oscar yeah, like, for his score in Endgame or something, but they had to keep changing it. Like I don't know, I feel like music carries such emotion, and it's underrated in that way. And I feel like that's one of the tethering points for a Call of Flame because because without 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 like visual parallel, we can have music parallel, and that they can always strike home on an emotional chord. It, it's up, such so it's it's such like themes, man. You know, music is like when we talked before. Music is music is a big part of 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 everything and anything almost. And you know, like uh, I think I remember seeing a video sometime back where some guy was like talking about you know what's missing out of the MCU, and he interviewed people. I wish I could remember the name of the channel to give him a shout out, but he every frame of painting. I'm sorry, what? Every frame of painting. That's the one. Mm -hmm. I want to say, wait, was was that the channel? Am I? Am, am, are you hitting yeah. it? Okay, where he interviewed people, it's like, hey, what's one thing I'm missing? Star Wars, boom. and they were going through all the, the themes and stuff, and they, the guy's like, we're missing the MCU theme. Yeah, and everyone was like, oh yeah, what is the MCU theme? Um, because because there is a one because they keep changing it, and that was that was an every frame a painting video. That's one of my favorite. Uh, that was one of my favorite film channels. I think they stopped making videos now. But it's one of my favorite video essays um, ever, and I feel like they actually apparently create a response. Um, in Endgame, they actually lifted some of the scores from previous movies. It was a little bit late by that point, but they tried, which is cool. Um, and the guy who composed Thor Ragnarok uh, reused a lot of the themes from the previous Thor movies, which I thought was novel. Like it was cool. Like the last the last track in the movie was I paid homage to the first Thor movie, and I'm like, oh, that was nice. When I was watching in the theater, I was like, that's cool. They they actually had the amount of continuity for once. That was, that was great. Like, I just wish they'd keep doing that is all. Yeah, like, you know, like, and, and, and they give them credit, you know, when, and it's been six months since it came out. I mean, if anyone gets mad at this, I mean, they're going to have to get mad at it. But, 
you know, when the portal's open and everyone returns, you know, and they have that music playing, you know, that theme, like right then and there, you know, that's, you know, like that is the music to get riled up to, you know, that is, you know, to give them, to give them credit that they, they did just something right with that score because, um, yeah, they, they've, they got it now. They oh, got yeah. it now. Like, but I, I just hope that they stick to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just hope everyone kind of understands that and sticks to their the music themes that they create. Like, and that's one of the things that's going to happen with Call of Flame. And actually, I had some discussions with uh, with Adam already, uh, the main composer, about book two, about like uh, some some themes I want to kind of foreshadow or create. And um, there's uh, already we've actually already kind of got a theme working for a certain uh, a certain villain that's coming in book two. It's going to be made very major. Yeah, uh, because I wanted to make I wanted to have it be almost lyrical in a way, like we could mm-hmm. write a song to it. With those beats, not just a mood, not just uh, an instrument, but um, something you can hum and something that we can even write words to, like because I do want to tell that character's story in song at some point later down the line, much like we did with the Nixie song. That's one of the things I love about uh, Tolkien and uh, some some parts of Thron- the Thrones books, uh, Song Song of Ice and Fire, is the is the are the poems and songs, which. I feel like I did not appreciate until um, the channel Clamavi de, um, I'm messing it up. Clamavi de Pravis, Clamavi de Pravis, something like that. It's a channel that uh, that interprets and uh, composes all Tolkien songs in his mm. books. It's the, it is a uh, ex- and writes some of their own, and it's uh, probably one of the most amazing channels I've ever heard because I didn't none of it clicked until I heard their version, hmm. until I heard their their version of. Um, because because you hear because everyone knows like the Misty Mountain song like mm-hmm. from the yeah that's because that because you once you hear it it's like oh wow that song's great it all clicked now they do that but for every single song or and poem Tolkien's ever done and it's amazing like actually I feel like that's one of my one of my like I'm I'm sending a sending kind of a bar here but um uh kind of a high bar but mm-hmm. like one it's one of my small goals for 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 Call of Flame is to have them do something for the show like um like maybe a book two or something have them do a song that'd be so that'd be so wonderful that'd be because they 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 are they've done um they've done covers for all the tolkien songs a couple songs for um for like a for the elder scrolls and some biblical songs like they've done a lot of cool things that they and it ha- they're bombastic like that the, they i've been listening to a lot of their stuff lately like for inspiration and whatnot how did you guys come to, to agreement on like this is the song, you know, like it, it's, and I know I've said it in the podcast several times, but it is such a good theme. Like you could, there's, did he just like, I, I'm lost for words. And like, how, how did it just come up like that? You know, how did you get it to where it's at? Um, It, it was actually, it, we actually went through a few <laughs> um, because it was such an important part of the show. I wanted to make sure we got it right. Um, And actually you will, you have heard in the show the original version of the theme that mm-hmm. didn't that was it was lovely but it didn't quite work as the main theme like um like when we first started talking about it, it was in it was like it was in june no not no not june it was like in may like may last year we were talking about the themes um suddenly one day i was like i was actually on the road i was he, he sent me i see two files pop up in my discord i was like are you kidding me yes so like and i think my sister was in the car i was giving her a ride or something and i just uh, started playing it um for the, the two, two themes there were were the main theme and the theme for Bree. The mm. theme for Bree stuck. The theme for Bree stuck because it was the one with the with, with the chi- the chimes and that and that little the flute. Mm-hmm. Is, is that when it opens up when she's at the the bar talking about her dad? 
Um, it was the it was the opening scene of the show, uh, uh, yeah. chapter one, part one, the very opening. The, that 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 fucking um, scene got me so much. Yeah, I, ho- I hope so. And there's a th- there'll be some symmetry to that <laughs> in the last episode of this uh, book. Um, and and this and the other theme was his attempt was his attempt at the main theme. It was beautiful, and I was instantly like I was instantly in love with it. But then I realized because. Because actually, I think actually I think my sister pointed it out. I owe so much to her for advice. She mm. pointed out, oh, "That's great, but can you really hum it?" it and it, it's it's now it's the windhold. It now it's the windhold theme, the theme that the, the theme that was originally the demo for the main theme. That's the theme for windhold, um, the 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 main the main fortress, the main castle for the king. Um, it's a gr- it's a great wonderful theme. I wanted to use it somewhere, but I was like, we need a theme that you can hum that can evolve as a theme because that that one's a great it's a great mood. But and it works well for it works well for this kingdom, but as far because it's because it's going to be majestic um, in almost every light. But what about a theme that can go go dark? A theme that can be turned to a credit? A theme that can be turned? The theme that could be changed around? And that's when he went hmm. So he th- and then the next thing he hit me with was the call of the flame theme. But at the time it was, well, and this is a, another version you heard in chapter one. It's when when the narrator is speaking. That's the the second version. It's a little bit slow and it has more. It's more chimey, a little bit more magic-y sounding. Um, but then I'm like, what if we did with? What if we added a drum, just to give it a little oomph, like a little bit of impact? And that's the one we we're using. That's what we got because uh, that that's the final version right there. So it went through phases because I knew it was so important. Like, and that's what people don't think about when they do themes. It's not important enough to some to some creators, and like that's why they were discarded and or not or sorry, an afterthought. So that's why I wanted to make sure we got it right for the first time. So it wasn't just like, hey, he came up with it. No, we 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 trialed and aired it and finally got a theme that worked. That's awesome. So um uh, I don't know if you if you can even count this off the top of your head, but do you know by chance how far you're gonna go with Call of Flame? Like you know, you said, you know, you've been working uh, on getting book two ready. Um, how many books mm-hmm. do you think there will be? How how many does the fans get to look forward to for this? three maybe four i want to do four realistically probably three with maybe some extra episodes every season but i don't want to truncate the story too much to make mm-hmm. that work i want i want to, to to retain its episodic nature like um this, this episodic journey like nature but at the same time i want to have those longer story arcs that culminate like i don't, I don't know if you've uh i don't know if you've seen like there's a show that's very much like people people say it's its own thing but it's very much um based on the formula of Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm. The show's called The or- Orville. Something I've been kind of a casual fan of. I couldn't thing... get into it. I saw it. Uh, I really like Seth MacFarlane, so I was like, I'm going to love this. Yeah. As I just I couldn't do it, but I know everybody talks about how good uh, the second season is and everything. And I, would, I would give it six. I would give it after the first six episodes, but my, my point being with that is that that's very much based on Star Trek Next Generation, but it is missing one vital component, mm. and that is it's it, it feels like it's always worried about getting canceled so mm. it's it's going through this it's going through the story arcs a little bit faster than i would like like i wish that it was because spa- i did not appreciate the episodic like sh- slowing things down episodes of next generation until i saw this show because i realized like okay we have like four episodes focused on this character back to back and i realized if they had spaced it out this may have had a lot more emotional impact it was emotional as well so um <clears throat> Uh, that I'm sure I'm 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 pretty sure I'm not the only one to be curious about this. So I'm hoping that a, a lot of people listening to this right now are like, yes, thank you for asking. 
what is the story behind rubbish log why that name it is it's not a bad name it's just such an odd name i never thought about um man okay that actually i think it was like 2000 i think it was like 2009 or something Mm. like that when my uh, my aunt gave me uh, a journal for my ideas for my works the problem is i don't write it down almost anything i come up with i i just i i don't and now i don't do it on principle because i never have before um and I was just like, because it needs a title. So I just wrote in a Sharpie, rubbish log. Like, this is where I keep my rubbish. This is my, lo- my log for rubbish. Like, that's what I wrote on it. Like, on a torn piece of paper, taped it over it. And that's now, I guess it's stuck, because that's where I, that's where all my ideas theoretically come from, but never do, because I never, I don't write. I write my ideas down. I just, I don't know, I just, I just let them fester. That's what I do until they keep bothering me. It's a very unimpressive uh, explanation for that. But I just stuck with it. I've I've gone through different production names, production names, quote unquote. I don't have a studio here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've mean, just got a bunch of people that work with me sometimes. Um, but that's the one I've stuck to because it's always there. It's I always got that rubbish log. I'm never throwing it away. But I'm also never using it. Um, not 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 to be not not as like a not as a dick move. Not as a not not to be petty. But I just don't. I just don't write an idea down unless it's so complicated or unless it's so tiered that I have, or unless it involves like a very special name or circumstance. Um, I never write it down. I, I just, I keep it all in my head. So there's, uh, there's a title I wanted to ask you about. Um, uh, Theta, um, your, your other, your, I'm assuming your flagship, would that be your flagship? Or would you call, call the flame your flagship? Uh, I have many ships. I don't have a flagship. Um, I'm, I've um, uh, the thing is um, I think inevitably it has been more has more had more exposure just by default it's been around for longer and mm-hmm. it's had more more views but I, I it's not really something I can measure as easily with Call of Flame because it's on so many platforms but every time I see the number I'm like that can't be right like it's like um but but the theta what that is is um it's a machinima series I did back in. 2010 slash 2014 did a 2014 was kind of a revival period for that and that's uh the story behind that was i wanted to it's extremely simple i was a young guy i wanted to do a big budget sci-fi movie i couldn't so i did it with uh, halo characters um yeah um that thing you could you can track a lot of my a lot of my ability to write with that and it I'm surprisingly out of all the things that like I could be ashamed of, like looking back that I've written, I'm actually, I look at that episode one script and I'm like, man, I, 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 this must be how George Lucas feels. Cause I don't remember writing a script that good. Like I feel, I feel like I owe 60% of it to all my sister slash co-writer um, because, because she was, she had such good advisement at that period, but that was something, that was something special, something special I did because I got to, I got to indulge. I, that, that was the first, my first exposure to writing and publishing my work on the internet. Because um, that was in the heyday of, of Machinima, Halo Machinima. And what's funny is that I've, I've both learned from so many mistakes from that. And I see a lot of parallels with the Machinima world of like the late, two, the late O's, the late 2000s, and the slash early 2010s. I see a lot of parallels with what's going on with that, with, um, with the world of audio drama. Because that's some. Because there's a little bit of a. Because while it's on the rise, there, there, we are getting to the point where it's so easy to make that there is some slight over, not overexposure, but it's it's so sometimes hard for the cream of the crop to rise, uh, because there's so much going on. Because as Machinima was um, was rising in popularity, the equipment to make it 
was getting cheaper and cheaper, and the games that they released were easier and easier to um, to work with. Um, and and that's, that sounds almost snobby, like I'm a gatekeeper in some way. No, but I'm, what I'm saying is I do see some, I do I do see some parallels there. Like because because they're so easy to make, it got so there are so so many machinima videos, and well, people were watching less and less of them because it was getting so easy. Uh, I just don't I don't want to see that I don't want to see that repeated. And I th- and I think. I think uh, audio drama is safe from that, but that that is how I've, how I've entered here because I realized because of um because of the medium that we're that we're doing, more has to be done to stand out, just to 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 be to be impressive, to be more than just uh, another voice in the crowd. And with Theta, I was actually it was it was to be specific, it's a Halo Halo machinima, mm-hmm. um Halo the Halo Reach game, which I think is the last good Halo game to be honest, <laughs> um. And it has nothing to do with the Halo universe or the Halo story. It's a completely, it's completely, it's its own universe. It just uses the visuals, is what I, is what I like to describe it as. It uses the visuals from Halo. Um, it's kind of a, a minor sci-fi western in a way. It's about, um, it's about um, post-Earth. Uh, Earth was taken in, a, in an alien war and it was ravaged by these creatures called the Razon. And well, now humanity is retreated to kind of a refugee planet, and it's been, it's been a long time, and they. The Razon never found us. They never came. They never came after us. It's like, okay, I guess this is uh, how we how we live now. The reason everybody's in a Master Chief outfit and a suit is because the planet wasn't fully terraformed. They, they weren't finished. Like they were, they were working on the planet, and everyone just rushed in because, well, invaders. So now everyone's kind of stuck in this half this half environment. This this environment. These environmental suits all the time. And it's about twenty years later, and suddenly uh, some Razon show up. And this team, this border patrol type team, because most of the planet is completely unoccupied, just discovers them, and they're like, "Well, um, now they discover that they actually are not invading. It's just a small force that got stranded. So now, now the world's uh freaking out because it's like, well, these creatures are here. Are we in danger? Are they going to come after us? Mm-hmm. The answer, the answer is no. They're stuck. Um, so so this is kind of like a three way war in a way between these uh these characters who represent the populace. Um, there's this this border patrol type team slash um, well they're they're basically the ones that patrol the outside world. It's like they, everyone lives in a city, um, and the, the the people outside of the city, these uh, outlanders as as they're called, kind of like the wildlings of Game of Thrones. They're people who've decided not to live within the confines, and the Razon, who are growing in power. Um, their leader happened to be stranded with them um, in this uh, this kind of accident that occurred because it's not just a ship that crashed; it was just a transporter. A, um, a teleporter, a teleporter pod. So he was basically tra- he, not only was he stranded there, but it's, it's like he traveled from the past. He was in a transporter when it malfunctioned, and now he was trapped in there. Now he's released. So it's kind of it's a little bit of a Game of Thrones kind of setup, actually, because um, um, that was one of the inspirations writing it. Because there's a threat that no one's taking seriously. Everyone's focused on this war between these two these two groups. This power, the powerful group that's behind this wall, behind these um, behind the city confinements, the civilization. And the people who are living outside of it, these, these Mad Max type people living off of a waste and sca- and scavenging these materials from all the ships that got crashed everywhere, all these ships that all these refugee ships that sh- that crashed all over the planet and are filled with all this material, and now they're fighting with like um these spike cars and like ro- rocket uh these rocket motorcycles and all this crazy shit. And in that show, it's very much it's it's not it's very much um it's very much in the nature of like a Firefly or. Uh, or Cowboy Bebop or something with these char- kind of colorful characters dealing with these with these situations on this world from like experiments gone wrong, uh, mechs, robots, 
um, th- these alien invaders who are who have bigger plans than just uh, than just killing the rest of the population, that kind of thing. Because the, the leader of these aliens uh, actually has an agenda of his own. Um, he's called the Ambassador, and that is what he does. Man, I've gotten we've gotten deep into that story there, but that's what Theta is. And the trouble the trouble is, um, just for perspective here, I've been doing Call of Flame for one year, and we are at what eighteen episodes, eighteen chapters, mm-hmm. or eight, well, eighteen installments, uh, technically eight chapters. Um, I've been working on Theta for, um, well, on and off, so for not for nine years, and we're at about four, we're at about six installments. It's very hard to make, and it's very hard to maintain. I learned a lot of mistakes from it, or I made a lot of mistakes from it, and I've learned a lot and I've brought it over. For example, the biggest thing would be camaraderie, like between the cast and crew, uh, keeping everybody kind of together and, um, Keeping everyone together and happy and always interacting. Like um, that's why I formed the Discord. And Theta, the, the everything fell apart because the voice actors kept you know dropping off. Right, because they, right. They, they they didn't know if it, if it was work, still on. I was working too slow, and it just fizzled. It just yeah. uh, stopped. Uh, yeah, that it's, that happened. It's one of the things uh, with dancing. You know, it's like you know we're 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 doing production of it. You know, we we have delays here and there, whether it's you know, on our end or, or some voice actors or actresses. And it's just like, you know, trying, it's one of the hardest things I'm learning about this is, is trying to, to keep both factions, you know, production and your actors and actresses trying to keep everyone, you know, in check and trying, I'm I'm very communicative, but it's just like my idea. I'm like, you know, we're all a family, you know, this is how dancing, this is how dancing, dancing isn't dancing without, you guys without the voice actors actresses or without the production team why we need to act like a family you know so it's and trying to make sure we're all connected trying to make sure but you know people always have their projects different things going on different they're different people the biggest thing you gotta remember they're different human beings and so not everyone thinks like you do or not everyone connects like you do not everyone reaches out like you do so trying to be the one to keep your cast and crew together saying hey look we're coming. I know you're worried, but we're coming. I promise you we're in production. I promise you we're, we're working. At some point, though, it's cry wolf. And that was the problem with Theta. Because it, I was making those kinds of promises and wasn't delivering. And I feel like that was, that was my biggest mistake with that, with that project. And, uh, and to be perfectly honest, I feel like... Uh, I'm, I'm talking about it in the past tense. But I feel like, the big, I feel like it, is, it is something I still need to do. Because I wrote all of it. I wrote all 10 episodes, and they're not like Call of Flame episodes. These are 60, 70-page scripts. Call of Flame, for perspective, is like 40, 40 to... It's like 30 to the utmost... To the utmost 40. And there are three-parters. Each episode's a three-parter. Um, so when I say, like... um, So when I say six installments, I mean just six. Like, the, the, like each one is a part of a bigger episode, and there are 10 of them. Um, so, and... There are scripts I'm really proud of, still proud of, even after like years later, and something I've, I've refined for years, and something I want to do, and maybe just maybe carry over some of the lessons I've learned from Call of Duty. like um, keep keep it keep it unified, keep a. What I would probably have to do though, in perfect honesty, is recast a lot of people and start mm-hmm. from scratch. Like start from chapter, start from episode one. Uh, maybe with the help of Sasha, my edit, my amazing editor from Call of Flame, like just get new new voice actors in there, kind of keep it, keep the continuity, and move forward from there, and then make it to the end. Like that's something I will. That's honestly something I'll probably do once the season of Call of the Flame is over. Start getting into that thing again, 
and maybe get it all recorded. So with Call of the Flame, uh, you know, to, to, to with one more question for it, was there, uh, is there any podcast or any, uh, we talked about movies being inspiration and music, but is there any pod, other podcast and any other uh, video games or anything that may have been inspiring for Call of the Flame? Um, that's a little bit easy. Um, for, for podcasts in particular, it doesn't really count as a podcast, but the Star Wars radio play mm-hmm. was the biggest one. Like, as far as, like, a story being unfolded. Like, it was, like, li- I've watched Star Wars, like, uh, I think everyone has watched it at least, like, 50 times. <laughs> oh, yeah. But there, there, there are some people. And yet, listening to the Star Wars radio play from, like, the, the early 80s mm-hmm. was, like, listening to it was, like, rediscovering the story from scratch. It was, like, I heard nothing, none of it before. It was star because because it was influenced by things like Flash Gordon, like these serials that were often audio plays, and it felt so right. It felt so made so much sense to make it an audio drama that when I listened to it, it was it was unbelievable, and it was extended too. So it's like a New Hope, the the series is what it's more like than anything else, and that was eye opening. That was the biggest inspiration for Call of the Flame, and it was the biggest inspiration for it writing wise too. Because I, di- I have not looked up any guide or any, any consult for writing audio drama. My guide was the Star Wars radio play. Because if I thought of a, a moment that's usually th- conveyed visually, I think, okay, where's that moment in Star Wars? And so I would look up, I'm like, okay, so Luke reaching for his lightsaber um, in, the, in the cave. You can't express that through, through audio. Um, so I'm like, okay, where did they do that in the Star Wars audio play? I would look it up and I, I'd see what they did the equivalent of what they did. And I was like, okay, that's, that's how to write that scene or that's how not to write that scene. Um, like what does work and what doesn't, that's what, that was my guide. That was my, because it, it's a literal translation of star Wars. And sometimes they had to do some really weird or dumb or creative things to get around the lack of visuals. Um, especially in return of the Jedi, which was straight up terrible, um, straight up <laughs> terrible audio play. They, do so much spend so much time describing what's happening it's ridiculous like every last thing that's happening in that movie slash in that audio play that they have to describe to you because it's such a visual movie mm-hmm. um it was it was, a, it was a great guide of what not to do um the return of the jedi audio play but for yeah i mean it, it, you it's it's actually it's actually a great listen it's because it's, it's actually kind of terrible to be honest but the rest the other first two were great and that's that's been my main guide for that for what to do or what not to do for an audio play to translate that, to get that kind of story going. As far as video game inspiration, uh, man, Skyrim's a big one. I mean, I try not to look directly into fantasy for inspiration, but it was such an inspiration for atmospheres and ambiences. Like, because I want to convey that feeling. And, I, and often what I did when I was listening to Where Live was I was playing Left 4 Dead, the, the game, and mm. it felt so right. To like be going through, lurking around through those corridors with those things, or that one level in Half Life Two in the village with those people with the crab heads. I can't remember what they're called. And, but like I was listening to Where Alive around that time, and it felt appropriate. Like I, I want Call of the Flame to be that for people who play like Witcher or Skyrim who are wandering around those ambiences and listening to this uh, this audio play. Like it was it was it's good it was good for that. And actually, my the earliest demos I've done for Call of the Flame were just uh, rips from uh, Skyrim that I remixed and whatnot. Like, for, like I'm like, this is them fighting a dragon in audio play. So I record dragon sounds and arrow sounds and oh, dashing yeah. and running. I created a demo for like, this is my concept. And I use that to pitch it to people. Um, and that's the, then I'm like, okay, now I have to use my own sound effects. But that was a good way to pitch it. Like, a good way to show like my concept. Um, but as far as writing, oh, oh, the biggest one is Mass Effect 2, clearly. Yeah. Like, oh my god i have n7 tattooed on my wrist just so you know how hard i am about this 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I'm diehard as well. And there's um there's a particular way I played it that will uh, be will be inspiration. Like and yeah, of course it's it's going to be one of the biggest inspirations for our book two as well because book one because book one is kind of like Mass Effect one a little bit it's all hunky dory mm-hmm. in this world um like with this, this the Citadel's nice and all these plants are nice and then you get to um Omega in in, in Mass Effect two and it's all like yeah welcome to hell bitch yeah like that, that <laughs> the, welcome to welcome to welcome to Moss Eisley on meth like that that the whole that whole level was just a great way to go okay all right you're not in Kansas anymore. This is uh, we're getting to dark and fucked up territory. There's gonna, I'm not saying that we're, that's that's going to be the case for Call of Flame, but it'll certainly get a little bit more more complex with those sorts of things. And I and that how tense that finale was for Mass Effect Two. Um, there's like only there's only like three other finales that compare to for me, like sur- the ending of Serenity, the ending of uh, Rogue One, like that kind of thing. I want to have that level of tension for the ending of Book Two of Call of Flame. Um. What about, I'm going to throw this out. I'm going to throw a couple out. Are you ready? All right. Um, yes. I may not have seen it. What about the ending of Furious 7? I have I have actually not seen any of the, any of the okay. Fast and Furious movies. Right. That's fair. That's Sorry. fair. Okay, okay. Furious 7. All right, we've done that one. Um, What about the ending for, fuck it. Uh, what about the ending of Endgame? The ending of Endgame? Uh, you know, man, it's, that's so fresh in my mind. But the developmental part of, of Call of Flame happened before I even saw Endgame. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say it has some small inspiration. I've listened to the Endgame soundtrack a lot oh, yeah. for inspiration about scenes. It's it's been great. Yeah, I do. There are some elements of it that really are really work. I do want to have, I do want to have the emotional impact of like something like the ending of Infinity War leading into Endgame. Like, uh, there's nothing specific that I have in mind that brings up that brings that about. No, well, that's not true. There are a couple moments I can bring out like that, but that was. There are some elements of that, but I feel like Endgame, what was 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 good. It was a really good movie, but I feel like it did not hit me in the way that I was hoping it would, like in a lot of ways. Like or and same with the the Game of Thrones finale, like that especially bothered me, and that's something I want to kind of avoid going into the ending of this. Uh, and I want it because I wanted, I wanted the gut punch to work, um, mm-hmm. for for the for that particular ending. Um, but I don't want it to be too a little th- that bit that sweet as it was for Endgame. It was a very sweet ending, like a very, like it was very good as a very nice closure. I, I wanted to have the, the the right balance, the right balance of being, of well, obviously the word the word is bittersweet of being a bittersweet ending, like, let, the, those endings almost never stick for me because I'm either I'm either frustrated or I am so or I'm, or there's there's, there's a beauty to it. I think the last time it worked for me, and this is very specific, was the ending of Samurai Jack, mm. like when, about, about two years ago. I'd say that that's so much of that of, of the way that ended, what l- lent to like m- my emotions, like because I was I realized I di- I didn't like it at first ending. I didn't like it at first until I, the more I thought about, it, the more I got comfortable with it, and realizing that this was this was what his vision was and how he wanted this to end, like. What I want to build up in with in Call of the Flame is something emotional, emotional, and not just, not just that you you face the bad guy and you win. That's definitely not going to happen. That's that's I don't think that's that was ever the intention, and that's what was especially missing from the Lord of the Rings films. I love the films to death, mm-hmm. but when I read the book finally a couple of years ago, and I got to the scoring of the Shire, it was I knew it was coming. I heard of the scoring of the Shire, but it was unbelievable to me. Like they 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 would came all this way. And yet they kind of failed. They they kind of failed. The thing the thing that they were trying to protect 
was destroyed. Like and and it was and it wasn't like it wasn't this mythological evil that came that came after them. It was this bitter old man that just destroyed their home, and that was and it was it was like that's what the real thing they were trying to destroy is evil the the evil within ourselves, and it's not just coming from a fire volcano in this faraway land. It was it was always there. It it followed them. It it, it went it went home and it's and it did a, and it caused this destruction and that was such a beautiful and sad ending. And that's something I wanted to to recreate here in Call of the Flame is uh, with the ending. That was the in truth I started I started working on Call of the Flame in to that late 2017. And the the reason I delayed so much in starting it was because I never had an aha, like a moment where I come up with the one idea that just jumps at me and sticks. Like the idea, like yes, that's the moment I want to build up to. That's the idea. That's the catalyst. But and it didn't occur to me. But I decided, I decided you know what, I'm going to start writing this anyway. But when I started writing it. The aha moment came, and that is going to be, and that is for what the very end of the series will be. So it was never an aha idea for how to start this thing. It was an aha idea for how it'll end, for like what the what the final resolution slash no wouldn't even call it a plot twist, but just the the final the final act, what the catalyst for that will be, and how that will go about. Like that was that's been the tethering point for me in the show. That was like the moment where I went, yeah, I want to build up to that, which is. Which is crazy because that's such a long. It's a long commitment. I got. I got. That means I got to do two full seasons to build, or three full seasons actually, more more like it, to build up to that moment. <laughs> so I, I'm in it for the long, the long haul. Is what I hope to do. I am just so excited to see where you go with Call of the Flame. It is such an an, an explosive and amazing story so far, and you know, and with from what we talked about with the music and the casting, you've. You and Rubbish Log have done really well on what you're doing, and I'm excited for what you're pulling, Kurt. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I hope to deliver too. And um, I mean, the pressure—the pressure is always from coming from myself when I want to do these things. I want to do it right, and I don't want to depend on like, the future as a way to, as a catalyst for like what I'll do now. Um, I want to make sure every episode counts, and every episode is going to be impactful. Like I want to I want to make sure I build up to that ending that I had in mind. And yeah, I don't know. I hope it'll be a fun ride when I get there. Well, thank you for coming on Personalized, and we will have you back on. Sweet, I look forward to it, man. I I came into this like ready to party, and I kind of got a little got a little heavy there, like with bringing out the Lord of the Rings ending. I bummed myself out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, time flies, man. Time flies. Well, hey, thank you so much for bringing me on, and I hope to deliver to all of you. Oh, and uh, depending on when this comes out, don't forget to vote in the Audioverse Awards um, for uh, the categories of, uh, um, I guess, best uh, best podcast, not best new podcast, um, but best sound design, um, actors, uh, best voice actors being Corey Borchers for Tarek and uh, Bonnie Bogovich for Brie, uh, Adam Halpin uh, for music. Um, Love best that supporting... music. Better vote for that music. Oh, yes, vote for Adam or he will come to your house and no, no. I will come to you. Um, and I guess those are those are the main categories. If there are any others and you see see our name in there, just do it. Vote for it. You right. heard him first. You heard him first, everyone. You make sure to go get that votes on. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation just as much as I did. Kurt is such a great person to sit down and talk to, and and I'm so excited for the call of the flame and rubbish log and theta and, and the the things he's about to do and in places he's about to go with with these projects. Um, if you haven't yet, I I cannot say it enough. Stop what you're doing and go listen to the call of the flame. 
that story is so amazing and it's so well done that it's 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 just you, you can't miss it so again the call of the flame any podcast feed right now uh, if you want to email the call of the flame their email is the call of the flame at gmail.com or if you want to see the website it's the call of the flame.com and for more shows from gravity undone such as exit plan my creativity please visit gravityundone.net so to close this episode out i am bringing you the theme from the call of the flame Adam and Kurt done such a well job on getting this set up and and getting getting the music to where it is for this department that it just it brings me so much joy to have it to close out for this episode. So let the music begin and I will talk to you next time. <laughs>